Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. And you say, here's everything that I did. And I feel like I've tried my best. And I acted reasonably from the very beginning. And things still went wrong. Yeah, I think all cases of medical negligence... If you show in the notes that you did what any reasonable doctor would do, because there, there was a GP in South Tyneside that got popped by one of his patients or one of his patients' family. Do you mean when you say popped? Do you mean he was like someone discharged a firearm at him right, yeah, or that them because wow. he missed a diagnosis of some oh. rare lymphoma in a patient's family member, and they killed him. And they so they came back and killed him later. But oh my god! I thought, so initially, I thought you were joking. But you're not no, joking, a, This is a real thing, but, Jesus like, Christ. realistically, you like, as a GP, your job isn't to diagnose 100% of all rare things that come your way. It's to, it's to say, someone's come and they've got a rash. Like, most likely the rash is eczema. It's probably not, like, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's, so you, like, you pick up on the most common things and then things that come back you refer. So he it's probably the, did what's reasonable. It's the gap in what's perceived versus reality isn't it of like you think i have a problem i'll go to a doctor the doctor will diagnose it and if so i suppose there's two there's expectations on both sides some people think that you just can't trust your doctor and you need to get like 10 opinions or multiple opinions Uh, this is something it's something that i've been because on your advice i've been listening to principles by ray dalio after giving up on it so i'm still chipping through it i hope you're liking it and that it's not no well so, so he gives an example of how he was given a diagnosis oh, and um, yeah, quite a serious one like, yeah yeah um and he was gonna have like huge parts of his throat removed and he wasn't gonna be able to speak and he was about to go into the suit but then he got like multiple opinions and, and one guy was like that's fine <laughs> ended up just doing nothing yeah he's like bloody hell so that's an example of rather than just placing blind faith in one person like having multiple and he got them the, the smartest thing about the whole thing that i really liked was he got the he got the doctors to just talk just discuss it amongst themselves so he like facilitated the discussion he facilitated an mdt for them to just like <laughs> to just like yeah like you you said to me i've got this you don't agree there you are we're on zoom we're recording off your pop oh um, lovely isn't it and he just got because imagine having like being able to talk realizing after the fact that None of that was needed. But so there's that side of it. And then there's the other side, which is your doctor just catches 100% of stuff and they never, there's no incorrect diagnoses and they never make a mistake because they're a doctor. And so if I, if, if I go and they tell me that I'm fine and I don't need to do anything about it. So this is something that happens in A&E. Quite often, it's a tribalism thing where you'll have a patient comes in, they've got a clot in their lung and someone will be like, oh, bloody GP didn't even pick up on this particular thing. And, like, the assumption is that the GP would have been able to pick it up. 
And this is after the people in A&E have seen the x-ray and the blood tests and all these things. Whereas the GPs just sat in a room with a tendon hammer and nothing else to like, <laughs> nothing else to diagnose the patient apart from, oh, I'm a bit concerned about them. Send them to A&E. So it's very easy. Like when you have all the information and you've got like a CT scan of their chest to be like, oh yeah, it's this. Yeah, obviously dingus. Like you can see it now, but mm. not. Wait, you can't see in, can you? Can't see in when you sign. But they have like proxies for in, don't they? Yeah, you can tap on the chest and be like, oh, it's a little bit dull there. So maybe this... I'm worried about the in because of the noise. Like the in at the in bits might not be okay. So send them up to the people who can see in. It, it's and like then... that, that cartoon of we have technology to see live brain activity as things go about and we can send a man to the moon. But right now, I need to roughly gauge the size of your prostate by putting a finger in your bum. What, why is that? What, why is a human finger uniquely positioned to... Is it because it's just not worth making something else? I think it probably would be worth making... Like, I, I bet there's a, there's a gap in the market for anyone listening. If you are good with making things and you can make a little flat ultrasound probe that's, that you can just put on someone's perineum and see their prostate, you'd be rich save a lot of people's bums but going why would they buy it though that's my point because they current currently there's something that's doing the job yeah so it. you're right so it would have to be more diagnostically sensitive wouldn't it than a finger than a human finger because i suppose it's not just about the the sensitivity of the human finger it's the human finger is connected to something that can interpret the input from the sensitivity and then diagnose within seconds yeah very true and it caught and all everybody every single member of the medical staff in a hospital has one you assume and it costs nothing yeah and this happens where like the there's an ec ecg machines will often spit out like an ai thing that says oh this looks like atrial fibrillation or this looks like whatever and sometimes it's wrong and you can the billy big balls doctors they'll look at it and be like no it's not as fine and you're like, okay, to, to go against the machine and say, no, it's, it's okay. It takes a lot of experience to be able to like, to do that. So there we are. Cause it's just pattern recognition, isn't it? So presume either the machine hasn't had as many rounds of exposure to the information to form the same ability to recognize patterns or there's like something else going on that can't be like, that's so subtle in the doctor's experience that the machine hasn't got that level of nuance. This is what Ray Dalio book is all about, isn't it? Yeah. That eventually you feed the machine with the extra information that you know that the machine doesn't. And then eventually the machine knows more than you. It teaches you. Amazing. So can I break the fourth wall and <clears throat> raise two potential podcast topics at the top of the queue? One of them was fed by a testimonial that we had today and i thought it would be quite a good topic okay. to discuss sure in fact i think we should read out the testimonial i'm just going to find it it wasn't a testimonial it was just a message that I, that I got from someone more of a statement of fact but he said hey yusuf mind equals blown someone has just signed up for coaching and set themselves up on all my software got their macros, got their training program, got started, all without me having a clue about them. And it was all from an automated 
tweet that was sent out at the very top of the funnel and this person just went blub, blub, all the way to payment, setup program, getting lean. So he's got automated organic social media strategy into automated sales sequence into automated client enrollment equal into automated deli- delivery. coaching delivery. Yeah, it's a great feeling for everyone involved. I, the only feeling that beats it is for, for, the only feeling that beats it is when someone messages you like six weeks later with just the res, the results. You just get and you barely spoken to them. You just get a DM of someone with a six pack abs and they're like, yeah, who the hell's this? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> and then you realise that it's the person who bought your program ten weeks ago. It's uh, I don't know whether it's even. It's not oh it's satisfying because you, 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 we've got messages of you guys have changed my life like I'm, I'm in great shape now and I can still eat the things that I want to and then you're, you're like who's that and it's almost it's great that we've had an impact on them but also how has this happened yeah and we know how it's happened because we've sat and designed it all but I guess when you're in the headspace of building something and then you forget about it and then six months later that thing is still delivering for you. I'm just going to have to shut the window because it's about to downpour in through. I will also shut my window. <laughs> okay. Say, the house, the house isn't going to sink. So it's the difference between, you can probably hear the rain. Can you hear the rain? I think it's relaxing. Anyone listening will be soothed by... Like not only are they talking about everything being automated and how relaxing that is, but there's now the sound of, of gentle rainfall. In the background, a soothing propane business podcast. We should maybe start doing that for all the episodes, like fireplace background or gentle oh, yeah. rain or seaside rainforest sounds. Get how calm the app car have released like a series of with famous actors sort of going, Hello, my name's Killian Murphy, and I'm here to. He doesn't speak like that. He doesn't peaky blinders, but not in real life. I'm here to help you fall asleep. That's just our podcast can just become that. Why not? But what I was saying before was it's the di- I, I, it feels the same way as if you ran a service across the River Tyne, which was you had a, a boat with one of those. I'm sure, there's a technical name for it, like the stick that you put in the ground and kind of push people across them. Oh, uh, and, punting, or what's it called? Pad- paddleboard. It's not paddleboard because the stick actually hits the ground. And maybe this isn't even possible. You know what? It doesn't matter. Some kind, you're rowing. You're rowing the boat across the river. And you're like taking people one by one. And every time you get them to the other side, and go, oh, thank you so much. And you're like, yeah, it's okay. It's a bit of a faff. It's quite difficult. I'm, I'm getting wet. But yeah, no problem. Versus if you just made a bridge. And you got phone calls from people being like, oh, your bridge saved my life. Like, I I've was been able, able to, to see my mother. I haven't seen her yeah. in years. Cause... And you're like, bloody hell, I made the bridge ages ago. I can't even remember. I'd forgotten I'd made the bridge. But it's just helping people all the time, every day, twenty four seven, and you don't even need to you don't need to do anything with the bridge. There's just there's maybe a few people maintaining it. Occasionally, you might look at it and make sure that like, it's not getting damaged and it's working correctly. But the bridge is built, and so the feeling of a client going through a program you've made, who's accessing all of your knowledge and experience, and and actually getting results from that, and you weren't there at the time, is insane. It's Absolutely great. Insane. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And I think the bridge that we had to cross, <laughs> to use that analogy, with getting over this was 
that sometimes a bridge will get someone over the water more effective more effectively and more reliably than rowing because rowing has a let's say a one percent fail rate out of every hundred trips you do rowing across the the river you're going to tip a client in and they'll fall in the water because it's not standardized but if you build a good enough bridge a thousand clients could walk across the bridge and it only take and you have you have the odd person one in a thousand who can't walk across a bridge without falling off because they're drunk but so then I'm just looking up then you can build a better bridge and then you're like okay so someone's fallen off when they're drunk how can i prevent that in future i can build bigger handrails and then someone hops the handrail and still jumps off because they're suicidal you go okay i'll put a roof over the bridge anti-climb <laughs> paint and so each time someone crosses the bridge and fails you go ah let's identify what happened there rather than blame the client how can i make the bridge better or like a boat has to come through and the boat can't come through you troubleshoot that problem so the the bridge needs to has this fun- have this functionality for like when this thing happens and the, yeah but if there's so many ways in this, this which in, in in which this analogy works and i just winged it so it's great that it's worked out because i have no idea I, I i imagine you didn't know we, what we we're going to talk about until about five minutes ago no. so people would think we prepare for this and we literally do not prepare for this <laughs> so the you can the bridge once created you can iterate on it and improve it but the base still functions but the other bridge that we had to cross (laughs) is it feels it's easier to reconcile being paid a fee for carrying somebody across the river in your boat so like the sort of the way that we've a lot of us have operated up to the point of getting a business which is now online is you pay for a good or service and it feels like the right amount, it feels like the right price. So especially a personal trainer, you'll have, paid, you'll have been paid this much an hour for a service, which is basically the, exactly the same as taking someone manually to their journey with them. The Tyne Bridge, I don't know what this is in real terms, but according to Google, costs $1.2 million to build. Now, the guy ferrying someone back and forth in the boat, if someone said, I'll give you 1.2 million would be like, whoa, whoa, come on, mate. That's ridiculous. We're not high ticket sales here. This is just, I just take people back and forward across. But the person who's really being compensated is the person who's solving the problem for as many people as possible. And that's where like the real shift in the market happens is when someone said, here's the current process, which is I'm, I'm WhatsApping clients all the time and they're getting a pretty inconsistent service. And when I'm not online, they don't get a reply. But when you really get correctly compensated is when you build a solution that doesn't have all the downfalls of kind of the manual service that someone's already delivering. Yeah. So the guy who is ferrying people across in his rowing boat, if you said to him, you have to, like, you've got a choice here. You can either ferry this person across today or you can go and get a bunch of building materials go and get some plaster and some concrete and arrange a a guy to deliver it, build this bridge so that you can get that person across. They would be like, oh, mate, that sounds like a lot of work just to take someone across the bridge. Like, just get them in my boat. I'll just row them across now. (laughs) So in the short term, of course, it's, it's quicker to just row them across. Like, rather than building a bridge, it's a bit overkill. Sledgehammer solution. But then you say to the guy, okay, tomorrow you're also going to have to row someone across. Oh, and the next day, and the next day. And then three years later... Before he knows it, he's not realised that he's now done 900 journeys, or maybe thousands of journeys if he's doing multiple a day, 
taking people across the thing. And the amount of effort would have been like if he'd spent two weeks building a bridge. Yes, it's a bit more upfront effort, but then he can go and sit in a beach in Bali with his laptop, living the <laughs> six-figure FitPro laptop lifestyle, <laughs> while people cross his bridge and pay 50p a time. So they can pay and less and they can get across the water more effectively. So this is the thing when I, when people ask us about... I had a conversation this morning about high ticket. So this guy booked a call to discuss propin business with us. He had been told previously to do like the sales funnel is so so consistent of what i see so like it's run a run a facebook ad to a landing page someone books a call after me after seeing no, no information really on the call you do all the selling the entire process from from beginning to end so what you do how it works all the benefits of your service how you know why it should be interesting to them how much it costs all this sort of stuff it takes an hour and by that point it's only then that people are realizing that our oh god it isn't free because I thought it was going to be free, and so it go it, every time that someone in every time someone um, comes in the funnel, it's the same process manually every single time. So the funnel is someone uh, comes from Facebook, they've got no context, they book a call, you have to do an hour long phone call with them where you explain everything manually, and you try and sell this high ticket thing, and all everything in that process. So the the, the selling, so you've got to explain everything every single time. The actual enrollment and the coaching that's all manual everything's one-to-one the only way to grow the revenue of a business like that the only thing you can manipulate is the cost is the price you can't because you can't increase the capacity of any of the rest of it because you're limit you're hamstrung by i need to do this many calls in a week to make a sale and then when i make a sale i need to reply to this many messages and all of my coaching and all of my management is one-to-one so I'm already at my capacity in terms of the hours I can put in. I can just increase the revenue per hour. So I can only ever sell high ticket. So high t- I think high ticket coaching is just the symptom. It's the result of inefficient systems. Because if you just look at any market, it's the company who can, pr- who can solve the problem for the lowest price while still remaining profitable. So the problem with high ticket sales that you highlighted and this applies from a cost perspective when you're delivering but also from an ad cost perspective is that when you're charging five grand for your fat loss program you can afford to make a lot more mistakes you can afford to have a lot more slack in the system and it's the only way that if you're bad at running ads and you're cost per client acquisition is massive then you've got to jimmy the numbers by charging five grand and then the whole thing works out rather than having a cost pressure to say okay let's look at the the slack in the system here and how can we make this more smooth and the same thing applies with the delivery as well yeah and what you said there we've definitely been there where back when we were doing sales calls for fitness programs like you'd have people after a 30, 45 minute call being like, oh, but I thought it was free. And you're like, Ugh. I think it's just, so people always respond with like, why do you guys do? So like all the, like the call to action on all these episodes is to book a call with us. There's a few reasons for that. I think calls make sense when you can't help everyone that applies to work with you. So if you actually need to, if you actually do need to filter people out, you can't, it's pretty hard to do that on a sales page. It's pretty hard to do that in any kind of automated funnel. 
the number of people in the fitness industry trying to build an online fitness business, a lot of people are PTs and gym owners and are a good fit. A lot of people also just think it's this like easy, like quick win overnight thing. And we just can't, like what we teach us wouldn't be right. So there's a, it's a filtration thing. But from a, if you're a fitness, and a lot of those people are, are business owners or want to be a business owner, and a lot of business happens in meetings and on phone calls, and that's a very, it makes sense. For a consumer, if you want to get lean, the fact that you have to have a phone call with someone to discuss it, like people are used to buying something on Amazon and now it arriving on the same day, and they never have to talk to anyone. There's never any like interaction. You just press buy with one click and it's at your door. And that's how people live. And, you, and you're pushing them through like an, an antiquated process that is in, is in the, the business world because that's what this business coach has been taught by a guru to run their business. It does, just doesn't translate. Yeah, it's a and, totally and different experience. Th- this is for our model of fitness, which is we work primarily with people who want to lose fat or gain muscle. They've got similar demographics, similar levels of experience. And if they want something super customized, then they can sign up for one-on-one coaching. But the majority of people can go through a process that is semi-customizable at the client end and it's a commodity. So the more customized and the more bespoke your fitness program, then the more attention you need. And it may be that you then need to charge a higher price to fit Johnny's 100 pound an hour rule. And <laughs> that's where you might need to do a sales call if it's something that's super bespoke, high, high income people that want a really hands-on approach. But the majority of people, as you've probably seen from my video, they don't want you to come into their house in the morning and feed them breakfast with a spoon. They just want to know, okay, I just want to go to the gym. I don't want to have to think about it. Just tell me what I can turn up and eat. And so the, the when people are like, oh no, but you've got to have like your fat loss program, like super customized and it's got to be really made for you. And you've got to have it your food has to be matched to your genetics and to your blood type and all that stuff. That, that's all just gimmicky stuff to justify high-end payments for something which really is quite simple at the end of the day. I think people don't want to hear that, do they? Like, coaches and clients don't want to hear that for most people, fitness and nutrition actually needs to be simple. Because like, everyone thinks they're more advanced than they are. Yeah, life is fairly complex. There are lots of things and situations and emotions to manage. And if you're trying to overlay, if you're trying to overlay a highly complex training program and nutrition strategy on top of that to try and eke out the extra 1% when you're not an Olympic athlete, what's the point? So like things can be simplified and the real progress for most clients comes from the simple stuff, not the super complicated warm-up routine that you've written them manually for that just that person in a branded app like it doesn't it's just not going to make the difference hello my name is beck i am based in melbourne in australia Uh, i run and own bk health and fitness and i have been working with uh, the guys at propane fitness johnny and yousef for almost three months so now since starting to work with johnny and yousef i run a free 14 day challenge to get people into my business and get paying clients now not only do i have a funnel that i know i can put leads in the top and it's going to spit clients out the bottom i'm also still profiting on that funnel even after the ad spend so i 110 percent recommend 
recommend doing the propane business course, you will absolutely make your investment back um, by implementing the things that are in the course. So a huge thank you to Johnny and Yousef for everything that I have learned through doing this course so far. And I can't wait to see what else I'm going to achieve um, as I continue with propane. So because of that, there's a lot of opportunities for standardization. And because there's a lot of opportunities for standardization, you can automate large parts of what you do. And there is, there's obviously a role, there is coaching that you should be doing and managing your clients. But thinking that something done back to the, the river and the bridge analogy, like you wouldn't be able to charge if you're ferrying someone over the river because it's like this bespoke better experience. Is it really a better experience as soon as you get past two or three people? Not really, because you get into inconsistencies, you get into the person not being available, it's too busy. Someone needs a, to go across the river and they can't or one day is on holiday and it's not operating at all, then the bridge starts looking pretty appealing. Yeah, this is exactly it. And so, so I think for people listening, to clarify, we are not anti-high ticket or pro-high ticket. It's more about there are a set of principles, which is you need to set your hourly rate to deliver something, automate what can be automated, and then figure out what is it that the client wants, how much of that can be commoditized how much of that can be packaged into something that doesn't have to be delivered by you and how much does and then set the price accordingly and if that turns out to be a high ticket program because of everything that's required great like we're not saying high ticket doesn't work we're saying that a lot of business coaches thumb in high ticket approaches (laughs) they force it on pts when it's not appropriate and that's when Mm -hmm. things break down and it's, I think the most important principles to respect are just the so the supply and demand levels for any product in any market. So it, for most people we work with, not everyone, but most coaches we work with are offering online coaching to general population, fat loss clients. They're not offering this people who are in a lot of pain and need incredibly advanced nutritional interventions and almost therapy because they're in so much pain about the problem that they're in. They're just offering fat loss coaching and for that person look at how many things they could purchase so like how many are available what is the supply of the service in that market it's it's pretty big at this point but there's a lot of options there's a lot of ways i can spend my let's say i have a thousand pound budget to try and get in shape like i could go work with a pt in a gym and i could work with them once or twice a week for 12 weeks or i could get an app or a PDF, I could buy like download some follow along workout programs online. I could get like a celebrity DVD and try and find a DVD player somewhere and, f- and probably fail. Like, or I could ha- hire a hire a high ticket online coach who's probably going to charge me multiple thousands and try and justify it. So, is it that high ticket, as you just says, like that might work? You might be able to make a sale like that, but most rational consumers will look at the the options in the market and say, I don't need to spend, like as much as he's going to try and tell me with his webinar or his marketing that his is better, the reality is it's two, three times the price of the market norm. I'm not going to make that decision. So you're trying to sell a a Ferrari at high volume when people are just going to buy a cheaper car. Most people are going to buy a cheaper car. You'll have the, the person that wants the Ferrari. Great. And it's always appealing to say, oh, I only need 10 of those clients and then I'm set for life. And you're like, yeah, that's true. But if your systems are automated enough and you want to be able to help the most people, you can have a better lifestyle as a coach, but you can also offer a pretty good service to people with a mid-ticket approach. There's just there's more customers for VW than Ferrari. 
Yeah, so like Volk, Volk, I was just Googling Volkswagen versus Ferrari revenue, but I'm pretty confident Volkswagen's revenue is higher. I don't know who else they own. But the point is, yes, there'll always be people who want the Ferrari or the, the high ticket thing. But the angle is that everybody should be that and everybody should be Ferrari when that's the smallest portion of the market. So it just doesn't stack up. But this, is, this isn't what we came on to discuss. I guess. It's like, why do all the things that we teach, like how have they come about or why do we teach them? It's the result of these kinds of realizations of, okay, there's a lot of consistency here. Our clients, there's a lot of similarities. The programs end up looking pretty similar. The questions are pretty similar. And in fact, like having to explain the program and explain why someone should listen to us and why the program might be a good fit for them, that's what really does the selling. And we don't need to do that on a call. We can do that not on a call through automation and that's how can we say the person's name yeah rob rob from nothing bad fitness correct that's that's why he's got the system that he's got for all those kinds of reasons and then on top of that as some twitter wizardry that yusuf's presumably taught him as well well so, so actually was, it, was he doing that anyway R- rob is the man that that taught me wow that's a loud car yeah. um, <laughs> Rob is the man that taught me he is the master of Twitter, but he had the problem of large organic following, but wasn't able to monetize it. Mm. Whereas now you plug a high converting sales system into someone that has a big organic following and they absolutely fly. And that's Mm. when you start to see the, these kind of these clients coming into your funnel that you don't even know who they are because you've got the organic reach. And I think, as you said there, that, if you have a, a large reach, you can choose to go one of two ways. And th- there's no harm in having a high ticket kind of red herring, Hail Mary offer for, yeah. <laughs> for, for the guy that comes, stomps into the Apple shop and just goes, I want the, the biggest, baddest the apple you've got. I want the original golden apple. <laughs> but for most people, £80 a month, £100 a month, it, it's not a decision that they're going to sit and lose sleep over. They, they'll be like, yeah, it looks like this can solve my problem. I'll just sign up. And that's what you want at scale. You don't want to have to drag people over the line at scale because it it requires a lot of manpower to do that. Yeah, yeah. And the following thing, the organic following thing, there's two sides to that really. One of them is like, there's an example of someone who went down the path that I think a lot of people think they need to go down and that once they're there, it's all fine, which is like someone who doesn't have an organic following. They think, oh, this will all be fixed if I just get a big organic following. Rob got there and it still wasn't fixed which is this testament to the fact that you still need a sales process. But even better than that, once you've got the sales process, you can then just buy the following with advertising. So it's like, that's why, because a lot of people say, what are you, what's step one if we work with you? And everyone thinks it's like, what everyone's been taught is start posting on social media, start posting on social media. Because if you post on social media, then you'll get sales. But there's still this missing element of all of that, which is why if someone sees you on social media, are they going to buy anything? And that's where the sales sequence comes in. So that's the process that facilitates all of the volume on both sides. It facilitates the customers, but also it actually creates the audience because you can just start reaching these people with paid ads because the funnel regenerates the the income. There we go. All of that because of the river (laughs) and the rain. So next time you want to row someone across the river, think about putting their time and build a bridge. I'm going to end by asking you a you rather question. Okay. I'm ready. Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button? Oh, a rewind button. Because that can function as a pause button. 
you just got to keep rewinding very fast. Yeah. There'd be this temptation though, that you could you'd go back and try and fix everything though. Yeah. And you could end up going absolutely insane with it. Can you, whereas I, I think as watch. soon as you think like you do something and you have been as watch, <laughs> like as soon as you, as soon as you, as soon as you do something, you think, Oh, I can undo it. Firstly, I think it encourages complacency and actually negligence. And secondly, <sighs> I think it, it opens this loop of how far back can I go? The other real paranoia is that one day it, it just doesn't work. work. Because oh. then you, you could go out into the street for a laugh and be like, oh, I'm just going to punch that guy. And then yeah. you go, ah, it's fine, I'll just rewind. And then you're standing mm. there like pressing this button and nothing's happening and he's punching you. And you're like, oh, no, sorry, I, I meant to rewind. And yeah, I mean, that would be awful. I think pause... Pause would be nice, but it would be hard to use the pause button when it really counted. If you're in a high-stress situation and you want to pause, it's to have the forethought to think, I need to pause before it's too late. True. You could still think by a car before you pause as well. But if you can rewind, you can just point. undo being hit by the car. That's the most compelling argument of the last <laughs> Re- Rewind button it is. Because <laughs> if something bad happens and you pause in it, it's like, fuck I'm in the middle of... I'm now just... I'm being hit by a car. Would you rather have x-ray vision or magnified hearing? Magnified hearing would be awful. Like, the, so there's a market for earplugs. And I, I know there's a market for blindfolds as well, but that's more of a sexy blindfold than a... That's true. If you had magnified hearing and you couldn't get to sleep because the couple three doors down are having an argument, you'd have to be able to turn it off, wouldn't you? Whereas X-ray, but X-ray vision is also the same, isn't it? Like, you, how do you experience that? Because can you just not see walls anymore? I suppose you yeah. no longer see structure. Like you'd walk into stuff all the time, wouldn't you? And like talking to people, you'd just be seeing their like internal organs and stuff. Neither It'd be really, great, really. Well, as a doctor. In yeah. fact, fine. X-ray vision. Okay, right. it would be a bit creepy because like you'd have someone come in to your clinic and you'd be like, "You've got a uh, slow-growing tumor on your." left lung and they'd be like how do you know you go, oh, see johnny once asked me a question but i'd rather have x-ray vision or, or hearing and i and they're like oh yeah you chose the, the vision oh, yeah, yeah, here we go here are two interesting ones would you rather have a gift for your birthday or cash <laughs> such a quick answer because you can reinvest it's... that into ads and then get more nice and get buy more your cash. Yeah. you could sell the gifts for less than market value and if the goal is to to grow the following through paid ads then that's a good point as soon as you've been given a gift it's almost certainly no longer worth the cash that was paid for it unless someone's really good at buying gifts if it's bitcoin or something that goes up in value then would you rather explore the space or the ocean so i've been watching some of the blue planet deep sea creatures recently like with the yeah with, with the bulb that so for anyone listening that was we both gestured the fish with the bulb on its head and like the sea toad which is just like a flat blob that sits on the floor and waits for ages and mm-hmm. th- until things come by yeah mm. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely mental creatures deep sea like a mile deep and you think and they can like emit lights and electrify stuff and it's almost like a seven-year-old was just given some crayons and was like off you go invent some creatures how about this i don't know which is more scary like the thought of being lost in space like in deep space on your own 
this is assuming that we're able, somehow able to survive and, and be okay either a mile down under the sea or however many miles into space before that stuff starts becoming significant. <laughs> mm. I don't know which is more frightening. Because one's just empty and lonely and the other is filled with really weird creatures that probably could hurt you. Maybe spaces as well. I suppose we'll never know. Maybe we will. Right, one more. One <laughs> more. Okay, this I'm very interested to hear this one. Would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? What is the trajectory of aging? <laughs> so when you hit... So it's 70... the current trajectory, but spread proportionally across the new lifespan. Okay, fine. So you're 80 years old, but you have the body of a 40-year-old. Correct. Oh, I don't know about that because old age is then also taking twice as long, isn't it? But I suppose if you set up your life such that you age for it, like you, you have good functional status and then you die suddenly at 90 rather than like slowly deteriorate from the age of 50. <sighs> Versus if you win, like you, things change quite quickly, don't they? If you just win the lottery, if you just earn, especially if it's like a hundred million quid, the the current landscape of the things that you pay attention to would instantly shift, probably. <laughs> yeah. For, for... <laughs> so I suppose you could probably extend your life a little bit if you won the lottery. I think by a fairly significant, because I, I think stress level, you might just worry about different things, but I imagine most stresses disappear. And you just, as long as you can keep busy, I think that's probably the biggest challenge is like, I've now completed that and the, the biggest risk I face is just getting bored. So Dan Bilzerian, I feel like the way he keeps busy is... Excess. Excess on boats out in Costa Rica with a bunch of models. So I think it'd be tempted to just go meditation retreats. Just go, cause, Because now, like, taking 10 days to go and do a meditation retreat is just neither here nor there. <sighs> yeah. Because, like, why did more people not go on meditation retreats? It's like, oh, well, I need to go back into the real world to earn this money to remain playing in the real world even though every time I go to the meditation retreat I'm faced with this thought that probably none of that's really real anyway but here I am still caught in this quandary where I can't do more retreats <laughs> but now someone's just solved that for you so you could just do like a six month retreat that is extremely profound Johnny it's more than just what's the alternative you buy stuff for like you could even do six months where you live the most, the most ridiculous life possible and buy everything the most expensive stuff you can think of but that would get boring so how do i tackle that well i need to go inward <laughs> yeah you, you have to don't you so the, this is an interesting one because there's a cap on maybe i'm wrong here but there's a limit on how much you can spend on food yeah obviously you could go ridiculous with it and you can get like a michelin star chef to live with you but realistically there's a curve to what you can spend on food and you also beyond a certain point you also don't necessarily buy more food just because you've got more cash you could but it's not going to be good for you like you're just going to get fatter so you still have a calorie requirement and you can really increase the quality of those calories from the food that you have but there's only so much you can really spend on like some lamb chops or on a potato it's the combinations isn't it of the lamb chops and the potatoes and it's it would be it's it comes down to time doesn't it time and skill so there's quality, time and skill. So if you have a chef prepare all your meals, 
with low quality ingredients, it's still going to be way nicer than you given high quality ingredients and just eating like a plain lamb chop, even though it's from Waitrose Finest and the nicest potatoes versus value ingredients and a chef. Yeah. But you're right about the budget. It's a different kind of budget constraint, isn't it? Because if you just then start having 20,000 calories a day, like your sleep will be terrible. You'll feel terrible. It's not better. But yeah. sorry, I feel like you were, you were making a point there. No, I think I think you've expressed it succinctly there. And even 20,000 calories a day, like it, it's a lot of work to, to eat that much food. I don't think I could do it. 20,000, that's a lot. What's the most we ever... I feel like we've both done 10 before. Yeah, we've done 10 and that was a real push, I think. It's, like, it's where like you've got to fit meals in, haven't you? You've got to plan extra meals. And so I was finding like... The, the day just became breakfast one, breakfast two, brunch one, brunch two. When we were doing alternate day fasting and we were having, it was basically as much food as possible every other day. And you were staying at mine when we were at uni and you would have, you would literally have a jug of orange juice and a pizza for breakfast. And that was just like, you did that because you felt like, oh, thank God, at least I'm off to a good start. You know, yeah, like, I, that was just to, I, to get in there quickly. <laughs> and then you've got the cheesecake and the boxes. And then we went out and, and then we went out for breakfast shortly after. <laughs> But that was the same as so that was novel for about 12 weeks and then it stops being novel in the same way and why is it novel it's because all of the pre-existing constraints of well you can only do this much vanish and now it's like as much as you can possibly want to eat in a 24-hour window no problem because tomorrow you're not eating anything and the lottery would create the same thing six months where you're like you see something and you're like oh, i'll just go buy that like you see a plane you're like, oh, i'll go buy that plane I'll go buy that house, I'll go buy that car, and then it becomes boring. So in a similar vein, would you, how would you feel about inter, like alternate day fasting, but with money? I think that'd be really cool. The only difficulty with that is there is a, there's an, there's like a, an overlay, isn't there? So you buy something yesterday, it's still and here today. And it lasts, yeah. So I suppose it would have to be Monday, you've got loads of cash. Tuesday, you owe loads of people money. <laughs> It doesn't really work, does it? You could do it. It would just need to be longer cycle length. So you'd have to have six months of loads poverty. of money. And then, yeah. and then six months of poverty. I think that would be a, probably a really nice way to live because you would really appreciate both sides. <laughs> so it just it, it zeroes out at each end, basically. It's, what, there's an, there's mm-hmm. an example of something like this. Is it not like it's dopamine detox almost, but in with money? It's like you... yeah. You just re- you're constantly reminding yourself of God, yeah, that it's awesome when I'm in six month block one because six month block two is really difficult and I have all these problems that so you could do feast famine with dopamine itself, like six months of retreat and then six months of cocaine, sex, drugs, rock and roll, <laughs> and then six months of retreat again. Like it's just be. I think if you do enough retreat, I, I imagine the that you just want to stay on retreat. Yeah, there's got to be a tipping point, isn't there? Uh, that, was it you saying to me that you do six-month retreats? or six, ha, What's the longest retreat they do? Three months is the longest that I know Three of. Months. But That's yeah. it. And it's that every day, 10 hours a day. Yeah, Good it's Lord. just deep. But I imagine Good Lord. you probably only need to do a couple of them in your life. And then you've completed it, haven't you? It's crazy that by, you could have easily done that, no problem, by October. 
it, it's insane. Like the, you could have done it after your GCSEs. Like most people spent their summer after at the age of sixteen, like just doing rubbish. Yeah, like wasting, like, like wasting playing away. FIFA. Like three months of just playing FIFA, and then you're like, oh, actually, I could have. Like, but then we say, oh, I haven't got the time. <laughs> I still haven't been on a meditation retreat. One day. One day I'll do it. The truth is, and I'm happy to admit this, I'm absolutely terrified of it. Scared to death. But I think that's the only reason, like, that's the wise way to look at it. A lot of people, I I know a couple of people that have been like, oh, I'll give it a go, it'll be fine. And they're the ones that underestimate what there is to face in it and they they ended up bailing fact, i'm not I know, surprised i know three people that did that and they bailed i'm not surprised at all just try i just try meditating for an hour most, most like, people struggle with 10 minutes try an hour so that that's the thing you, you try an hour and then you imagine okay now it's 7 a.m you get a quick break <laughs> to stretch your legs and then off you go again until yeah because an hour is like yeah. god that was a long time and then you're only one hour into 10 and one day into 10 of them. For me, it was, I think, day day three and then day five. I was like, oh, wow, I feel like I've been here forever. And, I'm, <laughs> and I've still got more time left than I have elapsed. Did it, it must have become okay at some point. Yeah, I think day eight-ish. Oh my god, that's I, so far in. <laughs> you, you have moments that's... of, okay, I've made peace with this. And then day nine, you're like, oh, can I? <laughs> oh god, this, I just, it is full, just handcuffed, strapped to a wall, face to face with your own internal being for a hundred hours unbroken. And then you think, oh, it's all right, because like, this evening I'll get, we'll, like, go out for dinner, I'll get a chat to the people and it'll be okay. But then you realise that you can't talk and it's like vegetarian food and you just go into a bunk and then get up next day and do the same thing. It was exactly that. The food was great, though. And I think when that's what you have to look forward to, it becomes yeah, a real... It light, lightens it up a bit. Yeah. There we go. Ah, There we are. What an episode. There we are. We'll speak to you next time. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. 
If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.